You're listening to audio from New King Church. If you'd like to get our weekly sermons, hit subscribe. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit newkingchurch.com. Hello, hello, hello. So uh, (laughs) please stay standing for the reading of the word of the Lord. Uh, We're going to be reading from Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 30. So that's Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 30. So I'm going to, at the end, I'm going to say, this is the word of the Lord, and you're going to say, thanks be to God. Come to me, all who labor and, and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Um, Lord, I just thank you for today. Um, I thank you that we're all here gathered in your name to worship and learn from your word. And i just like to pray for Ben that you may give him all the words to say and that we may hold on to those words when we leave here today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> well, good morning, everybody. So glad to have you. Um, hey, before we get started, if you would like a Bible, you don't have a Bible with you, uh, raise your hand, and there are two ladies in the back with Bibles. They'll slip one in your hand, and those are a gift to you. If you don't have a Bible, please take that home, read it, wear it out. We love handing out copies of God's Word here at New King. Um, So my name's Ben. Uh, I've been out for a little bit on vacation and resting up, getting refreshed, and I'm glad to be back, glad to be preaching uh, this morning. The Lord has really uh, given me Um, some special things from his word that I want to share with you that I I do think just like um, this passage is is saying that we are being invited into rest for our souls and uh, and I know most of you and I know that this is something that we long for so um, so be excited about the word that God has for you this morning um you know, as you ask people how they're doing, the, what, what's the typical response? The typical response is, busy, okay, I'm busy. How was your summer? It was good, busy, you know. Um, or, you know, it's going by so fast. I hear that a lot of times. Nobody ever says when you say, how are you? How was your summer? They never say, it's going by pretty slow. You know, it's been super chill, very relaxed. Nobody ever says that, right? Because, because if you said that to somebody, what would they say back to you? They'd be like, really? What it, so what do, you, what do you do? Like, <laughs> what's wrong with you? Aren't you, you know, do you have any, don't you have anything important to do? Because we, we equate busyness with importance, right? If you're not busy, you must not be important, and so we like to keep ourselves busy. We like to, to feel busy. We fill our schedules to the max. And what's the result of all of this busyness? 
Um, stress builds up in our bodies and, and it affects our health. Um, we're anxious. We have overwhelming feelings all the time. I, I'm, am I ever going to get to it all? Am I ever going to get it all done? Our spiritual lives begin to fizzle. Eventually, we, we become emotionally numb, right? We start to have a hard time feeling things. The Bible refers to this as like a hardness of heart. This is happening all over our culture. It's happening to pastors. I learned of another pastor this week that's left the ministry because of burnout. It's happening in every occupation, and I did a little research on this, and um, a recent poll found out that one in five employees are at risk for burnout. One in five. I bet you the number's actually higher because here's the interesting thing about burnout. When you're burning out, you don't know you're burning out. But at least one in five were able to indicate they felt that they were on their way to burnout. In 2018, over half of American workers ended with unused paid vacation days. If that was you, please come talk to me after the service. <laughs> Man, um, <clears throat> we rush from activity to activity. We hurry from this thing to that thing. In between things, we keep ourselves busy on our phones, trying to keep up with emails, trying to respond to all the texts, right? Our brains never get a rest. So our days fly by in a blur. We don't live with intentionality we're simply being carried along by a whirlwind of activity. I can just tell by your faces. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Many of us are so used to this way of living, we aren't even aware there is another way. But there is. There is another way. We don't have to say yes to every single good opportunity that presents itself. We can go at a slower pace, at the pace that Jesus sets. God's been teaching me this very important truth, that it is, Im it is impossible to be constantly rushed, constantly busy, constantly in motion, and spiritually healthy. It's impossible. When you look at Jesus you see a different way than the way we're living. As you read the Gospels and you study the life of Jesus, you see someone who is fully present wherever he is in whatever situation he's in. Just this morning in my quiet time, I'm reading the story of where he's walking on his way to go and, and heal this synagogue leader's uh, servant, I think. And on the way, a woman touches the hem of his garment, and he stops. And he, it says he turns, and he looked at her. And he says, woman, your faith has made you well. He's present to the people around him. He's present to nature, even. 
He's, he's pointing out trees and he's teaching his disciples through the things that they're seeing as they're walking along. And he's present, most importantly, to his father. He is aware of his father's presence all of the time, listening to his voice, responding and following his lead. This is why we're doing this series, Slowing Down in a Fast-Paced Culture, because we have seen the devastating effects of this whirlwind that our lives tend to be. I experience it. I have gone through burnout years ago. It is always a battle to go at the pace that Jesus sets. So let's pray, and then we will jump into this text and see what God has to teach us. Father, would you help us? Father, would you teach us right now? Would you open up our eyes to see, open up our ears to hear? Help us, Lord, to understand what it is that you're inviting us into. Lord Jesus, would you help us to come and and enter into this rest that you are inviting us into? Would you show us how to do this? And would you empower us by your Spirit to do this? I ask that you would give me your words. Help me to speak only what is true. Work powerfully in our hearts. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So look at this passage again with me. There's so much here. He says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. There's several things that we need to learn from these verses that will be foundational to the next two sermons after this. Um, what I want to start with is just looking at what is it that Jesus is inviting his followers into? He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So Jesus is inviting his followers to rest from their hard labor and heavy load bearing. This is massively important because it tells us that if you are a Christian and you would describe your life primarily as burdened or overwhelmed, then you're missing something very, very important that Jesus has offered you. In fact, if we would describe our lives as anything other than full and satisfying, then I would argue you're missing what Jesus is offering you. 
we are likely carrying a burden that Jesus hasn't called us to carry. The phrase, who labor and are heavy laden, had a footnote in my NASB reference Bible that says it could be translated, those who work to exhaustion. Work to exhaustion. Many of you would already describe yourself as that. You, you're, you're exhausted, maybe not physically. This may not be physical exhaustion. This may be mental and emotional exhaustion. At the beginning of my vacation, there were the first few days there, I, I started to do some self-assessment and realize that I was exhausted. And I didn't understand why. I felt like I'd, I'd been resting for the summer, you know, as much as I could. And trying to practice this, what God's been teaching me. Yet I was feeling this numbness over me. This emotional numbness. And what I mean is I didn't feel depressed. But I also didn't feel any highs of joy. I didn't, I wasn't, when I read God's word, I wasn't delighting in it, really, you know? I, I, when I thought about and confessed my sin to the Lord, I wasn't heartbroken over it. When I, when I would have a conversation with someone who didn't know Christ, I, I wasn't deeply burdened. You know, I was just missing feeling things, either in the highs or the lows. I was just this sort of even keel numb. And a red flag went up. And I said, I, something is, is off and needs to be fixed. This sign, this emotional numbness is deadly for our soul. And as I mentioned earlier, the Bible refers to that as a hardness of heart. And when you're in that state, it is very difficult for God to get through. You read His Word, and it's just like seeds landing on the top of hard, rocky soil. It's just bouncing off. But you can recover from this. If that's where you are right now this morning... You can come out of it. You can. I would just encourage you right now, just in your heart, ask God, say, would you bring me out? Soften my heart, God, even right now in this sermon. Soften my heart. Let your words penetrate into my heart. Even if you're not there yet, even if you're not in a total state of exhaustion, I know many of you are going at a pace that isn't sustainable for really healthy, deep spirituality. And you know that. I mean, I've had conversations with some of you who've said, you know, I, I know I can't keep going at this pace. Jesus' invitation is, come take my yoke upon you. So, Here's the first thing that I want us to see about that invitation. To take a yoke requires a conscious decision to surrender. It requires a conscious decision to surrender. He says, take my yoke upon you. He doesn't say, come and I will put my yoke on you. 
He doesn't say, as you run along, I'll chase you down and put my yoke on you. That's not how Jesus works. If you're familiar with his interaction with the rich young ruler, he invites him to come and follow him. The rich young ruler says, you know, he, he, Jesus says, in order to come follow me, you need to sell all that you have and come follow me. And the rich young ruler considers all that he has, and he turns around and walks away. And what's so interesting there is Jesus does not chase him down. He doesn't say, wait, 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 wait. Maybe you misunderstood what a great invitation this is. The king of the universe just asked you to be his disciple. No, he just watches as the man walks away. His invitation begins with, you must come and take my yoke upon you. The command is to take. And this word, I looked it up, it literally means to to lift up off of the ground. The picture is that you go up to the yoke and you put it on your neck, yourself. You can't take a wild animal and put a yoke on it, right? The animal must first be tamed. The animal's will must first be broken. And so to begin with, In order to put the yoke of Christ on your neck, you must make a conscious decision to surrender, to yield. What is a yoke? A yoke was a tool in farming that connected two animals at the neck. It connected them firmly. So when they're wearing this yoke, they operate as one. They, they walk together. It takes two animals and makes them one strong unit. Jesus' invitation is an invitation to a different way, a way that will lead to your soul rest. Those who are weary and heavy laden, who are working themselves to exhaustion because they're working in their own strength, are being invited to be united to Jesus. To be one with Him. To walk in step with Him. Do you see this? So our first duty is to submit wholeheartedly to Him. This is a hard thing for us to do when we've been drifting away from intimacy with God because in order to drift away from intimacy with God means that we have stopped submitting ourselves to God. Our flesh fights against this. But we know with certainty that submission is the first step to rest. It's the first step to nearness to God. In James chapter 4, verses 6 through 8, it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Before the invitation, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you, it says, submit yourself to God. So before you can be near to him, you must be submitted to him. There's no way to have a relationship with the God of the universe who has all the authority without acknowledging and submitting to that authority. 
Jesus has already hinted at this right before this in verse 27. He says, All things have been handed over to me by my Father. He has all authority. So to come and to be shoulder to shoulder with Him in a yoke means first you say, you're the one in control. You're the one who's going to determine the way we go and at the pace that we go. The statement about His authority comes after the previous chapter where it says that Jesus gave authority to His disciples to go and to over demons, to go and to cast them out and to heal every sickness and every disease. This is, in fact, a repeating pattern in Matthew. The, the rulers in the synagogues are amazed at the way that he teaches with authority. There's a, centu- there's a centurion who comes to him and says, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof. Just say the word and my servant will be made well. I too am a man under authority. And I say to one Go, and he goes, and to another, do this, and he does it. And Jesus marvels at this man's faith. The centurion understood authority and submission to authority. And therefore, it, was, it allowed him to have faith that Jesus could heal with a single word without going and physically being there. So, The first step is submitting to Christ's authority. He says, all things have been given to me. And then we can come, take his yoke upon us. He won't do it for us. He's inviting us to do it, to take his yoke and put it on. Then, after you are yoked and living in step with Jesus, then you can learn from him. Notice the order. Look at the passage again. Verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Some people try to learn from Jesus from a distance. They try to come in, you know, pop into church here, pop into church there. Or they take what, the best of what Buddhism has to offer, the best of what Hinduism has to offer, the best of what these different things, you know, human... Uh, humanistic secularism and create their own spirituality. But doing this will never, will never lead you to truly learn from Jesus because in order to learn from him, you must first submit to him and take his yoke upon you. To truly learn from Jesus, you must first acknowledge his lordship that he is the king. Those who try to add Jesus to their lives without submitting to him never actually know him. And this is confirmed again and again in Scripture. That's not Christianity at all. Jesus isn't an add-on to your life. He is your very life. He is Lord. He is God. True Christianity is submission to an all-powerful ruling and reigning Christ. And this submission to Him allows you to join up with Him and be one with His power and to walk 
next to him in relationship, learning from him, in partnership with him. He is the one with the power. You are the one partnering. He is the one with the authority. You are the one partnering. Farmers would take a new or inexperienced ox that had never plowed in a field and yoke it to an experienced one. That way, the inexperienced, the new ox, could learn from this stronger, more experienced ox. The experienced ox would know which way to go, and the inexperienced ox would learn by walking in step. That is what being a disciple of Jesus looks like. He invites us into apprenticeship, into relationship, learning how to live our everyday normal lives with Him in control. That brings me to my next point. To take the yoke of Jesus requires that we move at His pace, which is much slower than our tendency. In fact, there is no alternative if you're yoked with Him. You cannot go at a different pace than Jesus when you are yoked to Him. Remember the picture of the yoke. It doesn't leave room for play. You've got to go at the same speed. Earlier I said it's impossible to be constantly rushed, constantly busy, constantly in motion, and spiritually healthy, spiritually awake even. When you read the Gospels, you see Jesus as this man who is never in a hurry. He's never rushed. Lazarus is dying, and Jesus is walking to go see him. The disciples are on the boat struggling to row across the Sea of Galilee in a storm. Jesus is sleeping on the boat. The whole town is gathering at the house where Jesus is staying, and Jesus is slipping away to go and spend time with his Father. Many times I think we hit a wall in our spiritual growth. It is because, unknowingly, we took the yoke of Jesus off and we took off running at our own pace. And we're in the fast lane and Jesus is hanging out in the slow lane, taking it easy. We, we have our face buried in our phone. He's sitting across the room just waiting for us to engage in conversation. We are adding and adding and adding things to our calendar. And he's waiting for you to set aside one day in the week to rest and focus on him. We're saying yes to every good thing that comes our way, but neglecting the one thing needed, which is to sit at his feet and learn from him. Pastor and author John Ortberg once asked the great Christian philosopher Dallas Willard, what was one thing Willard could recommend that would bring new energy to Ortberg's spiritual life? And Ortberg says that Willard's reply was shocking in its simplicity. Dallas Willard looked at him in the eye and said, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life, for hurry is the great enemy of spiritual spiritual life in our world today. Ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. 
I believe if we are given the chance to physically walk around with Jesus on the earth, we would be shocked at how relaxed he was. Where do I get that? In his sermon on the mountain, Matthew 6, 27, Jesus said, And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? I wonder how many times Jesus would have quoted that verse to me if he just were following me around bodily all the time. Ben, by being anxious, can you add an hour to your day today? No. He was at rest. He trusted his father perfectly. He never worried, never fretted. He prioritized hearing from his father first and foremost. He tells us his daily strategy for ministry in John 5, 19 through 20. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. For the father loves the son and shows him all that he himself is doing. His strategy was to see what the Father was doing and then join Him. And in order to do that, He had to retreat regularly. He had to pray constantly. He had to be aware at all times of His Father. That requires slowness. When you begin to practice the pace of Jesus, a slower pace with Him, yoked to Him, you too will begin to see the Father at work around you. You will begin to hear Him speaking. If you're, if you're actively talking to Him, you're saying, show me what you're doing. Show me how you're working. Help me to see it so I can join in with you. And you're surrendered to Him. You're saying, not my will, but yours and you're moving at His pace, you will begin to see God at work all around you every day. In Him we live and move and have our being. There is nowhere you are where He isn't. When we begin to do this, walking in step with Jesus, it opens up space in our days and in our minds to hear Him speaking, to respond to His voice. People often say, man, I wish God would speak to me more. Oh, God is speaking to you all the time. Are you in the Word? Then God is speaking. Are you hearing these sermons? Then God is speaking. Are you in Christian community? Then God is speaking. But we've got to slow it down enough to hear Him. When you practice a slower pace with Jesus, you'll be shocked at how much you start to hear Him leading you. Another thing you'll start to notice is that you'll begin to experience the peace of God. And this is what Jesus is saying. He he will give you soul rest, the peace of God that he experienced perfectly 
Your life as you walk more and more in step with him and learn from him will look more and more like his. And what does he say about himself? He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. I thought that that's kind of a strange description there that he chooses. And so I dug into these words a little bit, and the word gentle there can also be translated meek. In other places in the New Testament, it's translated meek. Now, meekness toward God is a disposition toward Him that accepts all that He is doing, that trusts Him in all that He is doing. It's the opposite of self-assertiveness or self-interest. It stems from trust in God's goodness and control in your life. The gentle person is not occupied with self at all. And then this word, lowly in heart, can also be translated humble. Humble. This is another descriptor of a person who isn't asserting their own self-will. They're accepting what God is doing. Jesus was meek to God the Father and humble of heart toward Him. This begins to show in the life of a person that is yoked to Jesus. They begin to see that the things that are coming toward them are meant to discipline them, to instruct them, to lead them, to shape them into the person that God wants them to be. When you lay down your self-will and simply say, Father, whatever you send me today, I accept. I trust you. I accept your will for me today. Then you will begin to experience soul rest, regardless of what your day looks like. You will begin to see ways that God is working. One of the reasons we miss God at work around us is that we're looking for something other than what he actually is doing. When you lay down your self-will and simply say, whatever you send me today, I accept. God will begin to lead you. The decision to practice a slowed-down spirituality must begin with surrender. And when you surrender, you will find that his yoke is easy because he's going to bear the weight of it. His burden is light because he's going to bear the weight of it. He's the one with the strength you're partnered with him. He's the one with the authority you're partnered with him. He knows the way you're partnered with him, letting him lead. This is something we've got to learn how to do moment by moment. It's not something that you make a decision to do once and then it's done, right? It's like, take up my cross and follow, take up your cross and follow me. That's a decision that you have to make every day, right? Take up your cross daily. It's the same with this. It's something that we have to learn to do moment by moment. If you've never submitted your life to Jesus in the first place, then perhaps this is the whole reason that you're here this morning. To begin a relationship with Jesus, you have to acknowledge that He is Lord. 
But there's something that separates us from that relationship with him. And that is our sin. Our sin is our rebellion against his authority. Sin is all the ways that we have said, I don't care that you're the king. I don't care that you're in charge. I'll do it my way. And so our sin separates us from life with God. But you can come to him because Jesus came to earth and he lived a perfectly sinless life, perfectly obeyed the will of the Father, and then went to the cross to pay the penalty for your sin and mine. He died on a cross to absorb all the wrath of God for our sin. And then he rose from the dead on the third day, offering life to everyone who would believe in him and who would trust him. If you haven't done that, you can do that right now, today. You can become a follower of Jesus today by turning from your sin. The Bible calls this repentance. Turning from doing life your way in your own rebellion toward God and believing in Jesus Christ. Believing that he died for you and that he was raised from the dead. When you do that, when you do that, you become a new person. You can begin to walk in yoke with Jesus. You can begin to see him changing you and using you in the lives of the people around you. Those of you who are already Christians, the invitation is this. Lay down your heavy burden. Stop working yourself to exhaustion, working in your own strength. Come to Him moment by moment. Submit to Him. Take His yoke upon you. Join up with Him. Let Him lead you. Go at His pace. Practice slowed down. Trust in God. And when you do, you will see him at work all around you, and you'll experience rest for your soul. Pray with me. Father, God, we know that this is, this is so appealing to us. And I, I know, God, that our tendency... My tendency, even as I studied this, was to try and practice this in my own strength. To try and just extract the principles that are here and implement them with my own flesh, in my own power. And even though that might change a few things, it will never lead to life. It will never lead to soul rest. It will never lead to your power at work through us. God, help us not to do that. Help us to come to you, to submit to you, to lay our own will down, to be yoked to Christ. God, help us to do this by the power of your Holy Spirit. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.